athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the dopest show on radio, from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Pretty much wall-to-wall football today on the program. Daniel Jones will be the starting quarterback for the New York football Giants replacing Eli Manning. Is this the end of Eli Manning's career? And is he a pro football Hall of Famer? I'm going to have some thoughts on the latter a little bit later on in the program. Seems to be a hot topic of discussion, and this was inevitable. Like, this was eventually going to happen. I know a lot of people looked sideways when the Giants selected Daniel Jones. I think everybody thought that they may select uh, Dwayne Haskins with that pick. Ultimately, uh, when you look at it, Dwayne Haskins is not the starting quarterback for the Redskins. Meanwhile, Daniel Jones is... Right now, and listen. Anytime you get tutored by a guy, you you can say what you want. I mean, we you can you can talk about this, that, and the other, and and and, and a lot of people were puzzled when Daniel Jones was in fact selected by the Giants with their first pick, and when you're tutored and coached by David Cutcliffe, generally as a quarterback, no less. Generally, good things are going to happen. I mean, he coached. Peyton Manning, he coached Eli Manning. Uh, now, isn't that ironic? David Cutcliffe, the coach of both Eli Manning and Daniel Jones, one quarterback replacing the other. It was it was inevitable um, with respect to the Giants. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that the Giants were going to have a good season at all. And I think there was hope that perhaps maybe they would start off well. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I think the Giants owed it to Eli Manning, quite frankly. I mean, you don't you don't you're not you don't owe anybody anything. And yeah, I mean, maybe Eli Manning hasn't been the Eli Manning that uh, that uh, I think uh, was a really good football player and better than a really good football player uh, throughout most of his career. Maybe he wasn't that guy, uh, but he was still I, I, I think a lot of people thought that he was done and that you know he wasn't a, a, a wasn't a, a, a quarterback that could lead this Giants franchise I'm not one of those people I thought that a little bit more was made of that than uh, probably should have been I thought he was a guy that definitely could have gotten it done I mean and again I'm not necessarily a number numbers guy when it comes to professional football or professional sports that is but, I mean, if you look at his numbers in 2018, he passed 
for close to 4,300 uh, yards, completed 66% of his passes, which was a, a career high, 21 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Didn't have a whole lot of help, by the way. So I'm not one of those people that thought that this guy was done. I thought he had something still left in the tank. But I think when you're the Giants and you you haven't been very good and you draft a guy like a Daniel Jones and you start the season out 0-2, and, and by the way, it wasn't it wasn't Eli Manning's fault that the, the Giants were 0-2. But I think, I, I, you know, I think that a change needed to be made and the Giants, in fact, made the change. And it had nothing to do with the play of Eli Manning. I mean, it, you know, he wasn't great, but he wasn't bad either. And, I mean, the Giants have a whole lot more problems than Eli Manning. And, you know, I want to see, can Daniel Jones come in? Will he be a guy that comes in and, 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 and sparks this offense? We'll definitely see. I mean, I think when you look at preseason, he showed some things in preseason. But, again, I think, uh, well, as I said back then, uh, even when he came in and did well in preseason, it was a preseason D, uh, B. He wasn't necessarily playing against the best guys. I think ultimately um, he's going to be prepared. He is prepared. He has been prepared. He has been coached by David Cutcliffe. And I think he's a guy that is ultimately going to have some success. And when you become an older quarterback and your longevity, I mean, you know, Tom Brady is an exception to the rule, but Guys get old. I mean, you look at Drew Brees, who's going to be out for about six weeks with the thumb deal. Uh, but, you know, even all quarterbacks, most quarterbacks, even Tom Brady has lost some skill set from when he, you know, from even five years ago. So that that's inevitably or an inevitable thing that's going to happen. Um, but at the end of the day, the Giants have made this decision and I can't really blame them for making this decision you got to go in a in a different direction when you start 0-2 and you haven't been that good and and again I don't put any of that on Eli Manning but I'm going to give you my thoughts um on whether or not I believe that Eli Manning is a pro football hall of famer so again wall-to-wall football talk here on the program joining us today here on from the press box to press row Arkansas Pine Bluff head football coach Cedric Thomas going to join us on the program. I really like this Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions team. They are in the box to row coaches poll uh, right now tied for number seven with Grambling. It's the first time that the Golden Lions have been in the in any of the polls, coaches or media, uh, since 2013. They won the SWAC championship in 2012, 2013, beginning of the season, and and uh, they were in the coaches poll. They have not been in the coaches poll since then. They're number 10 in the media poll. They hadn't been in the media poll since 2013. So the Golden Lions making some moves. We got some really good matchups in week four of the HBCU football season. Um, had some uh, some games that I may go over uh, from last week as well. So, uh, again, Cedric Thomas, the head football coach of Arkansas Palm Bluff, going to join us on the program and some HBCU football talk also today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Join us on From the Press Box to Press Row always. Like when you do, hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to our great affiliates around 
The country that carried from the press box to press row, for instance, in Ormond Beach, that Daytona Beach, Florida area, W-E-L-E, boy, W-E-L-E has been carrying us pretty much since 2006. Um, So thank you to W-E-L-E. How about right here in the Raleigh area uh, in the Triangle, Buzz Sports Radio carries the program. Also, Hot 97.9 carries the program as well. Thank you very much. Thank you to those listening to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. And I want you to weigh in on what you think about Eli Manning. Do you think Eli Manning is, in fact, a pro football Hall of Famer? Here are my thoughts. And, and you know, uh, having listened to this program any uh, amount of time, my thing about pro sports just you know, I, I take the old Al Davis adage, just win, baby. And at the end of the day, when you look at the career of Eli Manning, you know, he's he won two Super Bowls and uh, was named MVP of the Super Bowl twice. Winning Super Bowls doesn't necessarily define a career. It doesn't necessarily define a career. I mean, I think your greatness is about what you're able to do with what you have uh, to work with. And I think even when you look at uh, what uh, Eli Manning was able to do in the Giants, really uh, what the Giants were able to do in those two Super Bowl wins, they they made the most of what they have. They defeated the Patriots twice. Uh, the Patriots absolutely were hot. You know, uh, one of those, I think it was the 2007 season where the Patriots were undefeated. And ultimately, um, going into the Super Bowl, and the Giants won that game. Two huge plays uh, in with respect to both of those victories um, in the Super Bowls by Eli Manning. I mean, Eli Manning uh, threw the ball on two of the biggest plays, arguably, in Super Bowl history to propel the Giants to victory twice. Um, you know, a lot of times it's again, it's not about Well, today is becoming more about the numbers. Again, with me, it's not about the numbers. It's about what you were able to accomplish in totality throughout the course of the career. Eli Manning can point to two Super Bowls. He can point to two of the biggest plays um, ever made, especially the, the, the Tyree catch was unbelievable. But he can uh, point to two of the biggest plays ever made uh, in Super Bowl history. He can he can point to um, a couple of NFC East championships. Um, you know, the NFC East is a tough, tough division. He can point to a couple of championships there and he can point to four Pro Bowls. Uh, you know, you you have uh, really uh, and I'd have to really go back and look, but you probably have quarterbacks that have made the Pro Bowl and the Pro Bowl doesn't define you either. It's it's a vote. I think all pro defines you more than do uh, than does uh, a, a a Pro Bowl, uh, at least in my mind. I mean, the Pro Bowls are really are, are good. It, it shows the respect that your peers have for you. Um, I think more more. But it, it, it was a little bit. I, I think it carried a little bit more weight back in the day because it was it wasn't about the fans. Now you have sort of the fan voting as well um, with respect to that. He wasn't all pro uh, any of the years that he played. Uh, maybe some people will look at that and say, well, he wasn't even all pro um, when he played. But, you know, again, two Super Bowl wins. 
um, many playoff wins. Um, yeah, he had some mediocre seasons. Um, there's no question about that. Um, and then, so I look at all of that, and I and I and I can look at the eye test because I've seen Peyton Manning play each and every year, especially that I'm a Skins fan, so I've seen him play uh, twice every year for the amount of years that he's been in the National Football League. Then I look at the numbers to back up to be in support of the argument. I never look at the numbers first. Completed 60% of his passes over his career, 56,537 yards. That ranks him as the number seven quarterback in terms of passing yards of all time. 362 touchdowns to 241 uh, interceptions. I try not to compare guys that are in the Hall of Fame, um, maybe with uh, with uh, uh, less numbers uh, than guys who aren't currently in the Hall of Fame. I don't really think um, that's fair. It depends upon the time that you played. Back in the day, numbers meant a lot less. I mean, and you know, you have guys that in the Pro Football Hall of Fame from a running back position uh, 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 perspective that don't even have 5,000 yards rushing. So it's not about that. It's about the time you played. And I think the eye test shows me that Eli Manning should, in fact, be a pro football Hall of Fame. Maybe not first ballot, but I think ultimately he will be. More of those thoughts as from the press box to press row rolls on. Hi, this is Jill Scott. And you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. The way you got my whole life flipping. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. The biggest names are guests on Box to Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. You know, uh, we've been through a lot as a team. And I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. This is Michael Vick. Hi, this is Layla Ali. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Skylar Diggins. Hey, it's Alex Morgan with the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused. Yeah, and I was really um, ready and serious. I'm just really, you know, excited. Missed any of these interviews? Then check us out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real, relevant radio. Boxtorow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports, Boxtorow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? Boxtorow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And Boxtorow.com, your HBCU sports leader. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Still to come here on From the Press Box to Press Row, 
Arkansas Pine Bluff head football coach Cedric Thomas in his second season. I think you'll enjoy the interview. Um, I've had a chance. We've had him on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast last year and then had a chance to speak with him in person at the SWAC Media Day. One of the realest, you know, doesn't, it's not a lot of, uh, you know, coach speak. It's just straight to the point. Um, and I really like that. And I think you'll find, you'll see that that'll come out. I'm pretty sure um, it, it will um, just based upon past conversations I've had with him, hearing him on the SWAC's teleconference each week. So Cedric Thomas, the head football coach at Arkansas Palm Bluff, going to join us on the program. Let's look at the week four scoreboard and for all of the HBCU football Games that are forthcoming on Saturday or that are, are coming up on Saturday. You can uh, log on to BoxToRow.com and click on Scoreboard, the Week 4 Scoreboard. Of course, I'm going to preview the BoxToRow National Game uh, of the Week. Uh, just looking through the scoreboard, Winston-Salem State's going to be at Tuskegee. And Winston-Salem State, it, it's a, it, this Winston-Salem State 0-2. When is the last time Winston-Salem State... I don't even know if I remember the last time Winston-Salem State was 0-2, let alone 0-3. This is a, it's obviously not, it's not a must game really for either team because at the end of the day, it's a non-conference game. But you're talking about two of the best schools in the respective conferences, meaning the CIAA from Winston-Salem State and the SIAC with respect to Tuskegee. Uh, Tuskegee. It's played uh, pretty well this year, as a matter of fact. Um, and so uh, coming off a win and then going back a, a couple of weeks ago, a close loss to Alabama State. Meanwhile, Winston-Salem State has had a couple of close losses so far this year. So Winston-Salem State looking to get off the snide this weekend. And again, uh, they're going to be at, at, uh, at Tuskegee. So that. Um, is a is you know it's a, it's a game that Winston Salem State definitely wants to win. Um, Howard is going to be at Delaware State. Howard 0-3 on the season. Delaware State is one and one, and you know I like the way. I mean I, I get it. The Hornets coming off the victory over Lincoln Division Two. Lincoln out of the CIAA is a program that has really struggled. But I'm going to tell you what I like Delaware State. Talk with you about a couple of weeks ago and on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Delaware State coming off the loss to Delaware, but it was like 31 to 13. And Delaware is a is, is perennially is a good program in the FCS. Um, I don't have any reason to believe that that's not going to be the case or is not the case again this year. So it so, shows me sort of where Delaware State is. Mike Waters, the running back. Um, you got, but they as the uh, uh, as the quarterback of uh, you know a young guy, and uh, you know Howard needs a win badly. This is a MIAC game, and so really it's a pivotal game and a pivotal matchup for both teams um, in this football game. But I think more of a of of where Howard is, um, 0-3 on the season. The defense, uh, you know, has given up a bunch of points coming off a loss to Hampton in Chicago last week. So Howard really, really needing a win badly. Interested to see that Johnson C. Smith and Virginia Union game. Virginia Union coming off the loss to 
Um, Lenore Ryan. Meanwhile, Johnson C. Smith with a big win, big win for Johnson C. Smith last week over Benedict. And by the way, Emmanuel Wilson, the running back for Johnson C. Smith, the Boxer Row National uh, Player of the Week, or one of them anyway, 265 yards rushing on just 12 carries, three touchdowns in the ball game. And you can know more about uh, Emmanuel Wilson on our website at BoxToRow.com as the BoxToRow National Player of the Week. Um, Arkansas Pine Bluff is at Tennessee State. Uh, again, you're looking at Tennessee State, a couple of losses. Uh, lost to Jackson State in the Southern Heritage Classic last weekend. Arkansas Pine Bluff has won two games in a row. They beat Langston. Langston came to them. They beat Langston. That's been a pretty, you know, it's, I, if my memory serves me correctly, I think maybe even Langston, it's been a closer game than it should have been in previous years. And this time, Arkansas Pine Bluff left no doubt. Not a swat game, but still, you want to see where Arkansas Pine Bluff is as they continue to improve um, under Cedric Thomas, who again is going to join us a little bit later on in the program Grambling State going to be at Alabama State it's a matchup of the number 7 and number 9 teams in the Box to Row media poll Grambling State 0-2 on the season Alabama State uh, 1-2 coming off the loss to Kennesaw State big game intradivisional matchup uh, within the SWAC and uh, a big game for both football teams um, uh, who both can re- can really compete, I think, in either division. The Box to Row National Game of the Week, Prairie View A&M, is going to be at Alcorn State. When you, you can't really look at the numbers, particularly for Alcorn State so far this year. They played a decent football game against Southern Miss, blew Mississippi College out, um, lost a close game to Mc, uh, McNeese State last week. Um, The numbers won't wow you, particularly for Noah Johnson, the quarterback. Um, But that running game is strong. Deshaun Waller, uh, you know, is is the workhorse there. But they got some running backs as they keep running backs at Alcorn State. I like to call Alcorn State running back you. They got, you know, a, a plethora of running backs that they've had over the years there at Alcorn State. I think the key to this football game is, um, you know, where is Prairie View A&M from a defensive perspective? They put up a bunch of points on the scoreboard. They probably should have beat Nickel State last week. They had a lead against Nickel State, gave up the lead. I like where Prairie View A&M is offensively. Jalen Morton at the quarterback doing what he does. Maybe want to get the completion percentage up, but doing what he does, and especially not only in the passing game, but with his legs as well. Dewanya Tucker really has something to prove, whereas Deshaun Waller, Taylor Porter, those running backs came on like gangbusters. They were just juniors last year. They're seniors this year. So Dewan Tucker out of the mix in terms of preseason first team, uh, all swack accolades. You know, he's definitely got something to prove. And, by the way, going up, uh, now, obviously they're not facing off against each other, but you're talking about Deshaun Waller on on the offense side of the ball for Alcorn State, and then uh, Dewanya Tucker for Prairie View A&M. I really like this uh, this matchup. I think uh, ultimately it's going to be uh, not necessarily a low scoring game, but a mid 
mid-scoring game, if you will, so not in the 30s, but somewhere in the 20s. Um, in this football game should be uh, uh, should be a really good football game. And I mean, if I had to say who would win this football game, I mean, I got to go with Alcorn State. The game is in Alcorn. I'm not going to go against Alcorn State. Um, going to be a big crowd there um, because those um, Braves fans know they got to get behind that football team in this big time game uh, and, and an important early matchup in the SWAC. I mean, I got Alcorn State in that football game in a low scoring affair. Southern and Florida A&M, you're talking about two of the best fan bases in HBCU football. Um, I, I expect that Bragg Stadium in Tallahassee to be sold out. Um, you know, Southern one and two on the season. Um, some tough losses this year. Florida A&M, um, you know, they're coming off the schneid. I mean, they beat Fort Valley State down, but they were expected to, to do that. So I'm interested to see what Florida A&M is going to do, uh, more specifically Florida A&M. And then you look at Southern hasn't even gotten into SWAC play um, as of yet. Neither has Florida A&M. So it's a good, a good matchup for both of those teams going in to respective uh, conference play. I'm um, just kind of looking down the list a little bit here in terms of some of the other games. Um, you know, not not a whole lot of games. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'd be interested to see. You know how Albany State can respond coming off the big loss, 38 to three to Valdosta State, West Georgia, especially in more recent years, has become a power in Division two. West Georgia right now is two and oh on the season. Albany State is 0 and two on the season. Tough, tough out of conference games for Albany State. These games definitely going to prepare the Golden Rams for SIAC play, which is going to begin uh, next week. But I'm interested to really see how Albany State plays and how the Golden Rams can fare in this football game again against another perennial power last week. Well, Valdosta State's more the perennial power, but lately West Georgia has been that team um, in Division Two. Coming off the loss to Valdosta State, how can Albany State perform and respond against West Georgia? And Albany State again is on the road to be uh, uh, taking on West Georgia. Last week the game was at home as they hosted. Valdosta State. So that's, you know, that's a look at some of the games for week four in the HBCU football season. Your thoughts um, about anything I had to say um, with respect to a matchup um, that you're going to be going to your team. How do you think your team is going to fare? If I didn't mention your team, hit me up via Twitter at box to row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W or and or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two. R-O-W. Still to come here on from the press box to press row, some National Football League talk, more HBCU football talk. But up next here on the program, Cedric Thomas, the head football coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Let's continue here on from the press box to press row, the Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions, 2-1 and one on the season, ranked number 7 in the box to row coaches poll, number 10 in the media poll, got a tilt in Nashville, Tennessee, against Tennessee State on Saturday. On the line, we're joined by second-year head coach Cedric Thomas here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Thomas, welcome to the program. How you doing, Ed? Doing great. Glad to have you. I want to get your thoughts. Three games into the season, 2-1 and one, uh, on the year. Uh, your thoughts on the team to this point? You know, just, very, um, just very impressed and um, excited about the the maturation and the growth of 
you know, these young guys just kind of believing in the system and, and, and the cultural fixture and the changing, you know. Took some uh, bumps and the bruises last year and um, played with some babies. And, and uh, those babies now are, are performing like big boys. And I'm um, just excited about the success that they're having, um, but just also knowing that it was it's the hard work and the preparation and the understanding of doing the little things that, that have them in um, the situation they are in in this early season. Speak to the game against Alabama and That was a huge win. It's a SWAT game. Um, you know, you're coming off off the loss. I, I, you know, I, I'll talk with you about TCU. I mean, if you look at the score, 31 to nine, you're playing against a you know a power power five conference. Uh, but but your thoughts on being able to to get that victory over Alabama A and M and a swack victory at that? You no, know, it's more the, the psychological part. You know, in in the building, you know, more so for us. You know, these kids been physical. You think of you know the UAPB brand even went out you know played. You know, it was always you know physical and tough. You know, I think just over the years it's just the the mental part of it. You know, we we didn't you know we didn't handle the analytics well. You know, we didn't understand the, the why behind some of the conceptual things that were associated with the game and. We couldn't deal with adversity, so those were some of the components. You know, I always kind of kept me up to the street, you know, um, when I wasn't here and kind of watched them from afar, you know. So those were some things internally that, that when I came, I vowed to uh, correct, and that was to be, you know, mentally tough and um, be able to, to deal with adversity. We, you know, that's just a part of life. And also um, we, we teach us, you know, by nature, and, and we want to just implement the teaching them how to learn concept as it relates to football. And so far, so good, you know, and, and they've taken to it. You know, now just to see the eyes light up when they understand that concept. And it used to be, hey, let's run these couple plays and get on back in the building. Now it's, hey, coach, run that over. You know, I want to see this look. And, um, you know, so that's what we're excited about. And we're just going to continue to grow and get better and um, lay this championship uh, foundation. Yeah, no question. Your thoughts on your team's performance against TCU to open the season? I think it set the set the platform for going forward. When you think about 90 to 6 and, not having a general idea and the laughing stock of the league, but themselves, they got to live with that. And um, so we pressed up, you know, as many T-shirts as we could and put it all over the building. Nine to six, we won't forget, but we understood why, you know, that outcome became as such. And so to come out against TCU, you know, power five, big-time football team, and to hold their own, you know, look at five-yard plays was five-yard plays. We tackled, got it to the, to the turf. We wasn't overwhelmed with the physical part of it and wasn't scared. And um, just overall speed, and that's that's a testament to the coaches from a recruiting standpoint. You know, um, them guys got on the road, got some junior college kids to go along with the babies that we had in house. So I think that just kind of laid the foundation for them to sit there and say, this, you know, we are good enough if we pay attention to details, do the things right on and off campus, and um, you know, have the wherewithal to be able to deal with particular situations, then we can be successful. Cedric Thomas is the head football coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Joins us here. I'm from the press box to press row. Coach Thomas, your thoughts on the quarterback play so far this season? You're going with Skylar Perry, Shannon Patrick plays um, as well. Ten touchdowns to two interceptions on the season. Quarterbacks completing in excess of 64% of their passes. You know, that is, is set from, you know, Doc Gellman, the quarterback coach. He does a tremendous job. You know, with those guys and, um, you know, ball security, one taking care of the football, not throwing it to the other team, but, you know, just keeping that rotation. When you look at today's football and you go looking at Porter, you know, it's, it's led with quarterbacks, you know, that for whatever reason don't want to wait their turn or just, you know, want to go somewhere where they can play. And just a testament to, to, from a coaching standpoint that he got two guys that's playing on such a high level that could probably start on, on a lot of teams in this conference, you know, um, still have a, a next man up mentality so it doesn't matter who starts. 
you know, they've been rotating since they both been on campus, and they, you know, they compete their tails off, but they, um, you know, is 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 they cheer for each other, and um, so that's the exciting part about those guys. But just excited about the growth and and and, and um, Skyler and, and also Shannon. So um, it's just a real exciting time to see both of those guys well behind the center leading the offense. Yeah, speak to that dynamic a little bit more because you know that could be a situation, especially when you're talking about young guys where. You know, it may not go so well because, um, you know, one plays and the other, you know, one plays. They seem to get an equal amount of playing time, and they're both excelling. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's, by the, it's you know, it's uh, systematically designed as such. You know, I, you know, as a first-year head coach, second year going into my second year, you know, that was something that I hadn't really seen before. And, um, you know, when I sat down and talked to Coach Gamble and Coach Gales about it, you know, when I he told me to just go back and watch the film, and those guys, since they've been here, start each other day in practice. So if Shannon starts on Monday, Skyler starts on Tuesday, and vice versa, Wednesday, Thursday. And when I went back and watched, you know, about eight months' worth of film, the whole spring was just like that. So I was like, wow, you know, that's why you don't see, you know, offsides by the offense with the different voice uh, command by different quarterbacks. The offensive line, been, you know, been snapping for both of them. Uh, for a long while now, so when when I went back and checked the data and all that information, you know, I, it put me at ease because I, you know, I sat there and said, hey, those guys been doing it, they got the gist of it, hey, you know, let's let's let's, let's let it roll as such. So you're more of an analytic, uh, analytics guy then? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's huge. Uh, you know, they say numbers uh, numbers don't lie, and that ain't always true because they do. I just think you got to be multifaceted. You got to be able to do. Um, and be well-rounded in all of it because it's such an imperfect game. And for my kids, my kids didn't – they had no earthly idea of it. So for us, we had to lay the foundation with the numbers first. But then also, okay, hey, here's the numbers. But sidebar, hey, there's a lot of things that may not go as such. You have, you got to be ready for it, ready, as we say. But um, what really helped us um, with our kids is the analytics. Hey, this is the percentages. This is how you – you understand the numbers. This is how you read the numbers. This is what the number entails. And once they start to understand that, now they call you on Sundays. They texting you when they watching NFL games or the college football games. They coach. Hey, they probably gonna do this with that ball on the hash. So what you think about this? And that's been the, it's been the most exciting part about them now is when their eyes light up when you talk about concepts and you talk about different football scenarios. Those guys, you know, bringing stuff to us. You know, plays and concepts that they think. You know, and we like, hey. You know, it's you guys' defense. As long as all 11 doing it, then, hey, we, you know, we got a high success rate. Interesting. That's the voice of Cedric Thomas, head football coach at Arkansas Pine Buff, joins us here on the program. Because Sean Williams, you know, if you you look at his time, red-shirted last year, um, he, he did in 2017 have 703 yards rushing. W- what about him? And talk about him in the, in the more specifically, the dynamic with Taylor Porter, who took this league by storm last year. You know, I mean, I come from a two-back system. When you talk about, you know, the days at Alcorn with, um, with, with, with all those guys. You talking about uh, Delance Turner and Marquise Walford, or Delance and and uh, Darren Ragsdale, you know, and Aaron um, Baker, you know. So, and these two guys is just as good, man. I put them against, you know, any two other two backs in the league. But, you know, the crazy part is we was. We was keeping Keyshawn, me and his dad's football brothers, and we played here together. And Keyshawn was a little boy in the dorm with us. And lo and behold, you know, 20 years later, here I am coaching one of my best friend's sons. And, um, 
you know, when I first got the job, he was injured and, and just wanted to come back early to help me lay the foundation for it. But I just told him, be patient. And he watched Taylor, you know, come in and um, lay the foundation for as, hey, he's the face of the program. And he was just, hey, Coach, don't forget about me. I'm like, nah, you know, I'll never forget about you. And um, he worked his tail off. And he just wanted to be a part, you know, to see those guys interact with each other and really fellowship with each other. We got two good running backs that block for each other. But the most exciting part is when you see Taylor Skokie showing the first one to pick him up and um, high-five him and vice versa. So um, both of them can do, you know, what um, major skill sets inclined um, would allow them to. And, but they two different backs, and it, it's always good to see each one of them, you know, um, be well-versed in, in the offense. A couple of more thoughts, Coach Thomas. We appreciate the time. Cedric Thomas is the head football coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Your thoughts on the way your defense is playing so far this season? You know, we, we, we like years better. You know, we still don't have the talent um, that we would we would like to have, but they understand the why. And we just tell them, hey, if you can put yourself in, in, in good situations and understand what offenses are trying to do to you and how they attack and we can tackle in space, um, if we can limit big plays because it's such a big play league um, and, and such a spread league, if we can tackle in space and you know, just cut down on the minerals. That's our biggest thing. If offense beat us because they better, then we can look ourselves in the face and say we, we did what we supposed to do. But we can't blow coverages. We can't have a palms-up concept of, hey, what happened? You know, um, everybody got to be able to communicate and discuss, you know, um, the particular situation that formation-wise or whatever offense is giving us. And we can do that, you know, and, and, and we got a chance. So I'm really excited about Coach Brad and Coach Quinn and, and Coach Rowe. You know, they've done a great job of help with the implementation of the system and, and just the testament to the kids is going out um, playing at a high level. Tennessee State, the next opponent, you're in Nashville on Saturday. Your thoughts on the Tigers? I mean, just fast. You know, they're fast. they they up-tempo. they got two big-time weapons uh, at, the, at the skill. Um, great running back that can jump cut it and go the distance. You know, um, good athletic offensive lineman. And we got our hands full. You know, I think from top to bottom besides the TCU game is probably one of the better teams athletically on paper that we're going we gonna to face. So I'm really interested to see, you know, my guys go down in hostile territory and be able to travel and um, roll these sleeves up to, you know, go against a good opponent. You know, historically it's always been one of the upper echelon programs and we get a chance, you know, they beat us twice in the last five years and uh, Keyshawn and we got a couple of seniors that got a bad taste in their mouth because of those uh, losses. So we want to go down and see can we put our best foot forward to make amends for it. Lastly, um, what does it mean to you? You know, you, you like you say, you still got some work to do, but man, you're really on the right track. Two and one to start the season. You've matched the win total from last year. What does it mean to be able to do this in your first head coaching job at your alma mater? It means everything because you know, like I said once before, it's the place to save my life, and I and I just feel indebted to be able to give back to the community who suffered a long time just because of the product one worked investing in and the product one is good as it should be. So outside of myself, you know, I just always wanted to get them something proud of and to get make, get these kids a sense of a pride also to be able to hold their head up and, 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 and live and, and practice and walk around with an I am good enough attitude. So um, like you said, it is a lot of football left, but I'm more excited about having over – you know, for the kids with 3.0s uh, as far as GPAs and um, kids doing it the right way and, and not getting phone calls from campus police and getting out in the community and the local churches and reading to the elementary kids. That's what I'm excited about behind the scenes that people don't know um, and, and why the football gods are blessing us because 
they doing it the right way. And so uh, that's the overall maturation. You know, here is one. You want to graduate, you know, and, and if you want got a chance to play on Sunday like Jamin Gillum, you got an opportunity to do that. But first and foremost, we're going we're gonna to get education, um, and, and that's going to be first. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? G- Gillum's doing his thing. Oh, yeah, ain't no doubt. And it had nothing to do with how big the weight room was and how many population um, of people we had at the institution or how big the building is. You know, if you if you, you want to make it, you look at Titus over there at uh, Alabama State, um, you know, the resources has nothing to do with the mindset, you know. It, it has nothing to do with it. So if you put your mindset to it and you work your butt off, you know, we talk about that 1% making it. I think that's only because the 99% either quit or, or don't finish the, 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 the journey as they supposed to um, because if you can make it out of this institution, you can make it anywhere in America. And it's the same day with your degree in the workforce. You know, our, our degrees and our um, transcripts is just as good as anybody in America, but we got to have a mindset and, and a pridefulness about it and be able to have a work ethic to be able to, um, to not make excuses and roll our sleeves up and get it done. Cedric Thomas, his second season as the head football coach at Arkansas Palm Bluff, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Golden Lions are at Tennessee State on Saturday. Coach Thomas, appreciate the candor. Continued success to you and the Golden Lions. I appreciate it, sir. More Box to Row on the other side. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row, getting back to the Eli Manning conversation. He's been replaced by Daniel Jones. Essentially, I mean, what's the future look like for Eli Manning? I would I would venture to say, essentially, that his career is uh, is over. Uh, it, it, certainly in New York, unless you know Daniel Jones just bombs. But I think at this point. If you're the Giants, you have to go with Daniel Jones unless he's just putrid at this point in terms. And if you see that, you know, he has some potential, which they see, then you want to continue. He's got to play. I mean, that's just the bottom line. He's got to play. And does Eli Manning want to play somewhere else? I'm not sure. But I was reading an article and, and again, um, I have my own opinions and everybody has their own opinions. I mean, I've watched. Eli Manning play I've been in the era it's not like going back to the 60s or 50s where you never you've never seen a guy play and then you're trying to figure out if in fact he's a Hall of Famer I mean I've seen Eli Manning play many many uh, a time especially with respect to the NFC East but NJ.com or NewJersey.com did an interesting uh, survey they uh, polled 48 Pro Football Hall of Fame voters. They polled 48 Pro Football Hall of Fame voters. 39 of those voters um, decided to participate in the poll. It was a two-answer uh, question, and um, 11 of them said yes, Manning has my vote. 10 of them said no, Manning does not. Nine said undecided right now, and nine declined to reveal. And I made the argument that I think Manning is a pro football hall of famer. I gave the reasons as to why I thought I, when you look at the two super bowls, two of the biggest plays in those respective super bowls made in the history of super bowls. When you look at how many times he's won the NFC East, when you look at how many times they've made, meaning the giants have made the playoffs. When you look at his, uh, his, 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 and, and again, granted the last couple of years haven't 
been great. I mean, but I don't think he, you know, it, it hasn't been Eli. Like, like to me, with respect to the Giants, um, Eli Manning hasn't necessarily been the problem. He wasn't the problem this year. I mean, he's had some some weapons, definitely. You look at Victor Cruz, um, you look at OBJ, but even, I mean, look, you know, if you look at the, again, looking at the totality of his career, I think what aids him. Now, if we took away the two Super Bowl wins, I think what aids him is the two Super Bowl wins. If we take away the two Super Bowl wins, is he a Hall of Famer? No. I mean, I, I think winning to me, it's about winning. And again, I will reiterate in the same sentence, I will say that winning Super Bowls doesn't define you. I mean, I don't have a list in front of me. I mean, the one of the, you know, obviously Trent Dilfer, I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer. Obviously he's not, he's, you know, he was a, a an average quarterback at best, but he was part of that Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the defense carried them that year. Was it 2000 or 2001? The defense carried them that year. But, I mean, he made enough plays and didn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, and they won a Super Bowl. Obviously, he's not a pro football Hall of Famer. You look on the opposite end of that spectrum. You look at a pro football Hall of Famer. There's several pro football Hall of Famers who play quarterback that did not win a Super Bowl. Uh, probably most notably would be Dan Marino, most notably. But, you know, if I looked at the likes of, you know, Warren Moon um, is a guy who uh, didn't win a Super Bowl, but definitely um, to me is a Hall of Famer for obviously what he did in the National Football League, but also what he did. It's, it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So what he also did in Canada, and by the way, almost didn't really even get a shot so um, when I look at it from that perspective, um, I, and by the way, if you want to talk about the numbers, I've read the numbers off to you. Seventh all-time leader in terms of passing yards in Super Bowl history. Uh, I, I, again, I look at the numbers to supplement uh, an argument as to whether I think a guy should be a pro football Hall of Famer. Um, you look at even what he did last year. He completed 66% of his passes uh, and I realize a lot of those may have been those little dinks and dunks and so forth. But I think we get so caught up in the in the statistics that we forget about the accomplishments on the field. We forget about the wins. We forget about those type of things that really matter. Again, in professional sports, to me, it's about winning. It's about winning and Eli Manning has done that throughout the course of his career. Numerous NFC East champ, uh, championships, which is a tough conference to play in, or tough division that is to play in. Two Super Bowls. Um, you know, if you look at the numbers, again, 56,537 yards, uh, 200, or excuse me, 362 touchdowns, 241 interceptions. Those are, if you're into the numbers like that, are Hall of Fame worthy numbers. Now, whether or not you, you know, and, and I think a lot of people are into that type of thing these days, but again, I look at the two Super Bowl. I mean, you can't overemphasize winning a Super Bowl or winning multiple Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls. And 
that's what, you know, and again, even in that first year, you could look at the Giants and they had, boy, they had a tremendous defense, you know, Michael Strahan and all of those guys. Um, but, you know, again, Eli Manning made big plays in big Super Bowls. And, uh, you, you know, on the uh, conversely, people will look at the latter part of his career, which wasn't very good at all. Uh, but again, I think a lot of that or some of that anyway falls on the New York Giants as a whole and not necessarily Eli Manning. It's so true. Uh, the old adage quarterback gets too much credit for a win, too much criticism for losses. And I think that is very much um, apropos uh, with respect to Eli Manning. Your thoughts is Eli Manning, in fact, a pro football Hall of Fame. And I've already said that I don't think he's a, a first ballot Pro Football Hall of Fame. And then you can open up the argument to if the guy's not. A, I mean, at the end of the day, the 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 how the Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame is defined has changed over the years. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, to me, you know, when you're talking about Hall of Fame, you're talking about the best of the best of the best to do it if you're not a first ballot guy are you truly the best of the best of the best that's the question but with the parameters um, not necessarily that have been set forth by the voters but when you look at who is in and I try not to compare quarterbacks but I'm saying when you look at who is in the pro football hall of fame um, no, no question in my mind. I mean, you, you have some guys that definitely weren't first ballot guys, weren't the best of the best of the best. And then therefore, I, I don't want to I don't want to say you lower your standards, but, you know, the standards aren't the best of the best, like top five uh, greatest at the position of all time. I mean, we, we that's not what the Hall of Fame is. It's 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 if you were great and you, you know, I mean, it's it's about greatness to me. Um, and sometimes you may just because you're not a top five guy doesn't mean you weren't great. So I like the parameters. I think Eli Manning fits within those parameters, not a first ballot guy, but definitely a pro football Hall of Famer. Take away the Super uh, two Super Bowls, uh, maybe take away one Super. If you, if you took away one Super Bowl, probably not. Uh, whereas Dan Marino didn't win a Super Bowl. It didn't define his career. Uh, I think with Eli Manning winning two Super Bowls has helped to define his career. And ultimately, not in five. Well, he hasn't retired yet, but after he retires in five years, he won't be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't think. But ultimately, he will get in. Give me your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B O X. The number two, R-O-W. A lot of talk, you know, uh, with Jalen Ramsey wants to be traded from Jacksonville. I'm surprised that he played on Thursday, quite frankly, with the blow up uh, that he had with the head coach last week in Jacksonville's loss. And by the way, Jacksonville came back on Thursday night. Boy, the Titans are in trouble. Uh, they're one in, they are one and two on the season. They don't look very good at all. The Titans don't look very good at all. Uh, not that the Jacksonville Jaguars look great, but boy, the Titans look, they, they're, they're not very good at all. Um, but he, he plays Thursday night. It, it didn't have a, didn't have necessarily have a great game either. I'm surprised that he played, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and I know that he said 
he, he wants to be traded, but he said that his folks did not leak the fact that he wanted to be traded. I get all of that. That's fine. Whoever leaked it, leaked it. I mean, my, my thing is, and I know we have these kind of blowups that we see on sidelines all the time. I'm sure this is uh, a, a lot of this has happened over the course of years. It's just that it's more magnified now because um, we have more cameras around. Uh, we're, we're more into, not that they weren't back in the day, but we're more into the drama uh, of certain things. And so it's a little bit more magnified now. I mean, if I'm, you know, and, and, and I don't know all the ins and the outs of the, uh, of the relationship between Doug Marone, the head coach there and Jalen Ramsey. Um, if it were me, Jalen Ramsey, I, he wouldn't play. I mean, like you can't have the display to me. You can't have the display that Ramsey had towards the head coach. Same thing with Antonio Brown and Mayock, the general manager for the Raiders. Like you can't have, I don't care. Like, I guess I'm just from, I'm just old school. You can't have that kind, those kind of displays. You, we can have a disagreement between supervisor. If I want to bring it down to quote unquote, regular people's level, us regular folk, you can have a, a, a disagreement with, uh, between your supervisor, the supervisor, uh, and the subordinate, if you will. I mean, that, that, that happens, right? Um, you know, and, and maybe it depends on how Marone came at him. But I mean, I just think the optics are bad and I just don't, you know, he wouldn't play I mean, if, it, if it were up to me. Uh, he wouldn't play. He would, in fact, be traded. I think they're asking for like a couple of first round picks. They're not going to get that. So if they want to trade him, they're going to have to lower their standards. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Cedric Thomas, the head football coach at Arkansas Pine Bluff, for joining us on the program. Don't forget about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You can listen each Monday through Friday on our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.